My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Today I'm joined with founder Derek Fussell of Camo Dreams, Inc., founded in 2004, providing once-in-a-lifetime outdoor opportunities to deserving children with disabilities or terminal illnesses. Welcome, Derek. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. Now, I know we talked a little bit before the podcast about uh, what you do for a living other than Camo Dreams. Uh, You want to tell my audience what that is? So I'm a regional biologist for invasive plant management with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. I cover 16 counties in the panhandle of Florida, northwest Florida. Hmm. Nice. And how long have you had that job? Um, I started in this position in 2013. Um, Before that, I was an area biologist on the wildlife management area. I started in 2005. Um, so I'm coming up on, I guess, 18 years this May, um, with the Fish and Wildlife Commission. And I started my career in Georgia, um, at the Jones Ecological Research Center for six years and then Georgia DNR for four years. So you plan on retiring when you get to 65 with this job? Uh, well, if I can find somebody that uh, would really like to support Camo Dreams full time, I'd retire tomorrow and uh, take kids hunting and fishing all over the country. Now, you heard it from him first, folks. <laughs> that he needs somebody to be a sugar daddy. Sugar daddy. Let's do this. Come on. Looking for a sugar support, daddy. Support, support the kids. <laughs> <laughs> or sugar mama. Yep. Yep. Support the kids, right? All right. Yeah. And have you been in, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. We're not coming up with words is fun tonight. I get to have my uh, final day tomorrow at, for two hours. So I should have had plenty of sleep yesterday, today, <laughs> but uh, for fishing game and wildlife, do you, where do you see what you're going to be doing down the line is, they're going to be constant invasives all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've had new plants, um, found in the state of Florida since 2017. Um, we have two federally listed noxious weeds that have been brought into the state. Um, we're trying to keep them eradicated. One of them is giant salvinia, which is wrecking havoc in Texas and Louisiana. Um, so we've got it in a few places, about five locations statewide, and we're trying to either keep it hemmed up or keep, you know, eradicate it if we can. I, I have a technician that that's all he does is goes and treats those two federally listed plants. Now, how did those two, uh, plants get into Florida? Um, we don't really know. Um, one of the locations that, the giant salvinia was found. Um, I think someone brought it as a water garden feature. There was a, I call it the, mm. the redneck water garden. There was a kiddie pool in the backyard that had some plant, other plants in pots that were sitting in it. Um, so it can hitchhike on boats, trailers, um, equipment, you know, people that don't realize, you know, if they're boating in Louisiana and they come back over to Florida and put their boat in right away, you know, they can transport plants inside, live wells, 
Um, one of the plants is small enough that it can be transported by wildlife, birds. Um, I think uh, urban geese are moving it throughout ponds in the Tallahassee area. We've got it in several several small lakes. Yeah. And uh, there's geese present, so I think it's hitchhiking on them. Where is it originally from? South America. So we have a, a biocontrol. Wow. Um, it's actually a weevil from its native range that um, slows the growth. It doesn't kill it completely, but it really chews on the um, plant enough that it retards its growth. So it gives us a chance. You know, we don't have to be spraying all the time. We can turn weevils loose and they're eating on it for us, you know, in places that we can't get to with equipment um, or don't get to on a regular basis. Now with the weevils, they wouldn't be, that's their only target food source then, right? Right, right. The um, USDA does a lot of testing on biocontrol agents to make sure, you know, they're not going to attack and eat, you know, plants and things that we rely on for food sources or other things. They they literally, if they don't have giant salvinia, they die. Okay. That's good, because I was wanting to know about that when we talk about introducing invasive species to eliminate invasive species. <laughs> it kind of gets a little hairy, yep. as we've all known from history. Now, you said you started up in Georgia. Where are you originally from? I'm from Panama City. So I was born and raised in Panama City. And uh, in 1995, when I had graduated from college, my first job was in South Georgia. So I spent 10 years in okay. the Albany, Georgia area, um, and that's where my kids were born. And then we moved back home in 2005 to Panama City. Okay, so you've been back in Florida for quite a while. Yep. Now, you said you moved back in 2005, but you found it in Camo Dreams in 2004. Tell me about that startup. Yeah, so uh, in 2003, my mom had her fourth cancer. Um, she was diagnosed with throat cancer, which was a result of the radiation and treatments that she had for Hodgkin's lymphoma um, back in 1974. Um, and they couldn't do chemo radiation. They had to remove all of her throat, voice box, esophagus, um, and all the tissues that were affected. So she spent a month and a half in the hospital up in Birmingham. I traveled back and forth. My dad, you know, stayed there and um, mm -hmm. lots of friends and family just took care of us. And her father had passed away um, from a brain tumor. Her sisters had breast cancer. My dad's sister had breast cancer. My grandfather had colon cancer. There's, I've got a lot of medical history in the family that's not the greatest. So um, mm -hmm. I said, you know, yeah. I, I want to do something uh, to give uh, back. I just felt compelled to to do something um, that I enjoy and uh, that's hunting and fishing. So I uh, reached out to my, my first thought was make a wish. I want to do, I want to be the make a wish for hunting and fishing for kids that have a, a disability or an illness or something. So I contacted them and they said, we, that's dangerous. We don't do anything that's dangerous. So 
rock on a, a month or so later, and a friend of mine, uh, Robert Moore, was watching uh, Buckmasters. And Buckmasters has the American mm-hmm. Deer Foundation, and they do their life hunts. They send kids on hunts, but then they do a big group hunt in Alabama. So I reached out to the the former director, um, David Sullivan, and uh, he said, what can you do? And I said, whatever a kid wants to do. You know, we've got hunting opportunities. I've got a friend with a boat. We could do fishing. You know, we were kind of not really organized, but we had places and, you know, some equipment, guns and things that they didn't have to. So Buckmaster's American Deer Foundation flew the first kid down to Albany. And I had a friend with a restaurant, a friend with a hotel. Um, I had a friend at Realtree. And so we put together a weekend hunting trip for this kid from Arkansas. And uh, nice. the next year um, I was leaving and I was trying to get a group of friends and folks that were involved with uh, Quail Unlimited organization you know, that's gone defunct now. But our local chapter, we were doing a sporting clays tournament to raise money for a college scholarship. So I said, could we incorporate, you know, doing a hunt for a kid each year, you know, use the funds for some of that. And nobody acted really interested. Um, and a friend of mine that owned a plantation got to talking to me and I said, I really want to keep doing this, but you know, I need a place to come and need you know place to hunt and stuff. And he's like, well, if you've got the, the place to hunt, he said, you can come stay at the plantation. So the next few years I traveled back to South Georgia and we would stay at his plantation and they fed us and took care of all that. Um, and then it's just snowballed. You know, we've, I got to know Tombo Martin with Buck Commander and um, we've had several times we've been on featured on the, the show with them. I've had other uh, TV, mm-hmm. smaller TV groups do, you know, a hunt with us and stuff. Um, they, People have contacted Realtree and my buddy at Realtree puts them in touch with me. So um, it's kind of, it snowballed from that one hunt per year um, to I've done as many as nine hunts in a hunting season. So August, to February, um, and then we started picking mm-hmm. up, you know, fishing trips. So right now we've got a, a little bit of a backlog of kids because of COVID and travel, you know, not doing any travel stuff. So I'm, I'm making up now, but, um, you know, we'll do three or four hunts this year. Um, then we move into Turkey season. Um, we're going to do an exotic hunt in March. We're going to Texas, taking two kids, um, to Texas to do nice. an exotic hunt. March is turkey season, and we team up with another organization that some friends of mine started called Beards for Benefits. Um, Hmm. They bring in the wounded warriors, and we bring in the kids, and they get paired together to go turkey hunt together. So that's that's pretty much our turkey season is that one weekend. Um, I haven't had any kids that have asked to go turkey hunting. Um, So we bring... Last year, I think we had 18 kids um, and 18 veterans turkey hunting together. And then, yeah, how successful is a turkey hunt? Um, it varies from year to year. Um, I want to say last year there were seven or eight birds killed, and and it might have been more than that. Mm. You, know, I know we've had more than that killed in the past. Some years, um, there might be one or two killed but it, it all just depends on on the season it's not you know they're not tied up to trees 
just just for the kids to go shoot a turkey. Yeah, no, then you wouldn't learn anything from about uh, hunting turkeys. Yeah, and you know they so I, they have somebody that's calling. We got somebody that's videoing. You know the veterans. The veterans really say that the kids are, are good for them because some of these kids have been were born with their disability. They were born with spina bifida, um, and they've they've learned to cope and deal in their everyday lives. It's not easy, but they get through it yeah. and they don't complain. That's that's the biggest thing is none of these kids. You never see them, hear them, you know, complaining. Why me? Why why can't I do this? Why? You know, if there's a will, there's a way, and these kids find a way to do things, and mm-hmm. it uh, it sparks the the veterans, you know, that say, you know, well, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself anymore. You know, I, I got hurt, or I had, you know, a bomb went off, and I I can't walk with this leg, and I or I'm I'm in a wheelchair now. They see these kids, you know, that don't complain about things, and it just it really motivates them, and it's a really good weekend for everybody involved. That's great. I understand a little, a bit about the, uh, being born with a disability. I was born with, uh, bilateral club feet where my feet were literally turned inwards like a club right, right. walking on the sides of them. I've had surgeries at one and a half and then I've had to straighten them out. And then I've had surgery in my twenties, triple orthodesis fusions. So it's taken some of it away, but I've, still pain, still walking around. Right. You just deal with it and you keep moving forward. Yep. Yep. I had a kid with that from uh, Tennessee that came hunting with us and his feet, oh. his, his feet were literally turned around 180 degrees. Dang. I just heard the turkey. So, yeah, you definitely know what I was dealing with. <laughs> yeah. I just heard I'm the sorry, turkeys what? fly up to the roost. <laughs> that's cool yeah i'm just to inform my listeners about what's going on i'm talking to derek while he is in a blind down in you said georgia yeah i'm in south georgia or florida south georgia now i'm not they're not going to be able to see this but i'm seeing <laughs> what he's showing and that is a big nice open field and i hope a buck showcases in here shows by or deer that he you can hear the firing of the firearm he's like hang on wait a second Meh, boom. yep yep you heard it first that I, i'm hoping that happens <laughs> because that's excusable i am too but you might not hear it now because it's suppressed <laughs> Ooh. I need to get one of those. But then again, my wife says I have too many as is, and I only have two muzzle loaders, two shotguns, and a twenty-two. Uh, yeah, you need rifle. a few more. Yeah, I know. My wife says I don't. <laughs> I disagree. So, with the hunting and fishing, what all locations do you guys go use for that? So, um, when we started off, you know, it was, I had places in Georgia, I had places in Florida and for a few years we bounced back and forth. Um, we've added Alabama, we've been to Tennessee, we've been to Illinois, Missouri, Texas, Kansas, um, Utah, Oregon, and Alaska. 
Um, we've done two trips. We went this past summer, took a kid from Wisconsin, uh, halibut fishing in, uh, in Alaska. So there's no place that we won't go. Um, in the continental U.S., I'll say that because I did have a request to go to Africa and I was like, I don't know that I'm quite ready to do Africa. I was about to ready to ask that one. <laughs> uh, now, when you're going up to Alaska, has any of the kids asked to hunt moose or caribou or elk? Our, our very first trip was caribou um, back in 2019. Um, and that mm. was a... That was a bit of an adventure. Um, I think in, if we do it again, I'll have a better idea of what's entailed. And I know people in Alaska now, and we'll we'll have a much better trip. Um, we we hunted for be able to plan for when the um, migration. Well, we were we were there perfectly. They were migrating through, um, but the kid didn't have. We were on side by sides and we rode all day on these trails looking for caribou, um, you know, looking up the hills. Mm -hmm. And we weren't out in the open tundra where you could see, you know, thousands of animals. We were not too far off the uh, ice road truckers highway, the steel highway. Um, and it was just mm -hmm. we were out there, you know, 12 hours a day. And then we had a two hour drive back to Fairbanks to the hotel to sleep a few hours, to get up and drive two hours back. Um, so it was just tiresome. And we saw three caribou, I guess, while we were technically hunting. Um, we saw more caribou when we were driving, but there were people hunting, you know, camped on the sides of the highway. And so anytime a caribou showed its hide, they were shooting at it. Um, so it was, yeah. it was not what I had expected. Um, and I'll, we'll do a, a plane that gets us off the beaten path a little bit more next time. Um, we, the kid took a shot yeah. caribou, um, at 769 yards, hit the caribou. And then we spent the next five hours looking for it and, uh, weren't successful in finding it. So, uh, well, at least he was successful in uh, hitting the target. Yeah, yeah. At 750 yards, that's uh, that's impressive. Yeah, we uh, several years ago, I guess it was uh, 2017. Um, we had a one of our benefactors um, really loves what we do, and he's like, I think you need to have a custom built gun for these kids to, you know, that'll just be the cherry on top. Um, so. He commissioned uh, Best of the West Rifles to build us a custom 6.5 Creedmoor, um, topped off with their Huskma scope. And it's, it's, uh, oh. all you do is dial the range to whatever it is out to a thousand yards. I've shot it out to 800. Um, and it's killed everything that it has been pointed at. Um, and I know that caribou probably didn't make it because it was a, a solid hit on the caribou. Um, you could hear the impact, yeah. but, um, it's killed elk. It's killed red oh. deer. It's killed, uh, lots of whitetails and, uh, yeah, I want it to, I want it to keep killing some things, you know, maybe a pronghorn or two. We haven't done that mule deer. It's killed mule deer. Um, so, so 
you've got to play with it. They get to play with it. And it's just one kid. Do they get to keep the firearm afterwards or does that stay with you? No, guys? that that's Camo Dreams piece of equipment. Um, we don't do okay. firearms for them. We usually, um, if we can, or you know, in the past, we've gotten uh, some real tree uh, camouflage for them. We put together a goodie bag. Alps Outdoors helps us mm-hmm. with backpacks and fanny packs. Um, so we'll put together stuff. A lot of times, um, these kids have had some hunting experience, so they even have, you know, their own gun that they've gone hunting before. I've had a, just a few that, um, had no experience whatsoever hunting, um, you know, shooting, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe a pellet gun in the backyard. Um, so we've got a variety of different calibers, 243, 300 blackout, the 6.5, um, and I got Diamondback Firearms is a big supporter of us. Uh, they built our uh, 300 Blackout as their DB15 AR rifle, and uh, it's yeah customized for us. Um, it's got our logo on it. They they put their logo in a place they normally don't, but um, they've laser engraved our logo, yeah. and they just did the same thing um, with a. AR-10 in 308 for us this year. Sweet. Now, sorry if you hear a dog bark. <laughs> She's going after something outside. Uh, for your sponsors and your supporters, uh, when did you guys start getting sponsors? Um, I'd say after 2016 was when we, I mean, we've always had, companies you know that we would say were sponsors that that donated product and stuff every year to go in the kids backpacks and and all um that's varied some um currently you know vapel products out of georgia they do scent elimination they do um cover scents scent attractants feed uh deer pellets um and, and stuff to mix in corn um Deception Outdoors does a um, scent killer spray and uh, they make turkey calls. I think they make some deer calls, but they've made some turkey calls for us. Um, So, you know, 2016, um, that was when we really started getting, I guess, benefactors, um, folks that were wanting to donate more than, you know, 25 or $50. Um, But we've had, since 2006, when we did the the nonprofit corporation for Florida, um, you know, probably in a good year we might have five thousand dollars donated. Um, yeah, and then 2016, when we did the 501c3, it's slowly gotten better and better every year. Even through the the COVID years, um, we're bringing in, you know, between 25 and 30. Um, last year we were really close to $50,000 donated to Camo Dreams. Nice. Now, is there any dream locations that you want to go visit? Um, you know, people have asked me what, what I want to do. And, um, as long as I can kill a few deer every year and put some meat in the freezer, um, I would like to do like an elk hunt, um, maybe horseback remote camp kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm really you know one of one of my kids in South Carolina, Tucker, 
Um, and I say my kids because I really kind of think of them as my kids. But um, he's he's always texting. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, what should I do next? Should I do a, a black bear? Or should I do a buffalo? Or, you know, what what should I go hunt? And I was like, what do, what do you want to do? I said, buddy, I, I haven't killed a a buck, a white-tailed buck since 2011. Um, you know, it was the last good yeah. deer that I killed. I've killed does. You know, I may not kill a doe every year, but um, we're we're lucky to get to to go some places. You know, we went go to Texas, and um, that's a 2,000 acre high fence ranch that's got elk and the kid got to kill an elk the first year yeah. and the guys were like, why don't you kill one? And I was like, I love elk meat. I don't twist my arm. Um, you know, and then the, then the next year, <laughs> the volunteer that went with me, Scott, um, he shot a cow elk. So we split the meat. You know, so I, I've got meat. Um, even the ones that uh, we've gone far away you know, to Oregon elk hunting with Steve West. Um, you know, I shipped a whole elk pack. The kid, one of the kids, yeah. one of the three we've taken to Oregon was from Panama City. I went to high school with his mom and uh, she called me up and she said, there are eight boxes of meat on my driveway. Where am I supposed to put this? <laughs> and I said, well, go buy a freezer and then call me and I'll come get what's left. <laughs> so... <laughs> Eight, Eight boxes, boxes of elk. The buck I bagged, yeah, the buck I bagged last year only gave me two boxes, and the white-tailed doe I bagged this year only gave me a single yeah. box, fifty pounds. So I wouldn't know <laughs> what to do with eight boxes. I would literally be like, "Okay, I need to store this <laughs> in somebody's thing while I go buy a stand-up yeah, freezer." I- because no one's right, getting right. all this. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty particular about who gets to come to my house and eat elk. <laughs> I get I get grief all the time from my volunteers because I, I don't like to share. They can come to the house and eat some, but I don't like giving that stuff up. I a uh, guy from work, Lily. He got an elk this year. He and his sons went out and they harvested an elk uh, this year for. Uh, Right. hunting trip with him and his son and he brought some in in a pulled variety for pulled pulled pork style sandwiches but it wasn't enough sauce that would drown right. out right. the taste of the elk it it was just enough so i could taste the difference i know what the difference is between elk and white tail and it yeah. is slightly yep. sweeter. I, I actually wouldn't mind. Um, my grandmother used to sneak pinches of raw hamburger. She said when she was growing up, you know, when she was a little girl, that was a treat. Mm-hmm. And uh, just little, you know, sweet raw meat. And uh, I always thought, ugh, that's nasty. But the very first elk um, I, I, I brought back in 2015, brought some home. And uh I could slice it and have some elk sushi. That was, it smelled good. You know, I was just like, Ooh, I, I understand now why she did that. I, I think I could try it, but I haven't, haven't done it raw yet. I did a raw application one time with a uh, mm-hmm. white tail backstrap. I did a uh, backstrap carpaccio. 
with uh, baby arugula, some baby spinach, some right. capers, you know, mixed up the drizzling sauce, flattened out the meat, made it longer. And oh my <laughs> God, that was good. It's like a little salad with <laughs> awesomeness. That sounds in. good. I have yet to do, uh, dear God, what is the other roll meat application? It's escaping me right now. Yep. Oh, tartare. I want to do, yeah, I want to do venison tartare too. So I don't know if I want to do it with a heart yet. That I'm going to probably right. keep cooking. Oh, yeah. You've had heart, right? Um, I, I was not an organ eater until 2015. And uh, the first elk that was killed by one of our hunters, they grilled it up and everything. And I said, well, when in Rome. And, yeah, that was good Aww. stuff. I was <laughs> So we, we actually, uh, this last, last January, towards the end of our hunting, well, February, um, our last hunt of the year last year, the kid killed a, humongous whitetail and uh i said this is gonna be really good mm. i said we're gonna we're gonna have steaks for supper tonight but i'm gonna do a real quick appetizer of fresh heart on the grill and his mom was you mm. know squinting her nose up and hmm, i don't know about this but when i finished they were all like that was amazing Oh, I got my wife to eat heart one time. The la I had the last of my uh, big white tail bucks heart, and I put it in a stir fry. And I said, "This is venison." I didn't. It's a muscle. It's a venison muscle. What did you think of it, sweetheart? Two hours later, mm -hmm. afterwards, she's like, "Oh, this is good. Great. I like it. You love this." Two hours later, what? You still like that, right? Yep. <laughs> that was the heart. She looked at me like she wanted to kill me. I'm like, you can't tell yep. me it wasn't good, though. <laughs> that is always the funnest. Now, what is your most memorable hunt with Oh, me. Um, there's so many. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I could pick out one. I tell people all the time, you know, that I can talk for hours about trips and everything that we've done and gone and, um, you know, kids that had never killed anything, you know, never had any hunting exposure that, you know, now are hooked. You know, I got a little girl in Jacksonville with cystic fibrosis yeah. and, um, her mom, when I contacted them because she had gone to a summer camp and the camp director called me and said, I've got a kid that, you know, would qualify for a trip with y'all, you know, would you like me to talk to the parents? And I said, sure. You know? So then they get in touch with me and the mom was like, we don't even know anybody that hunts, but she says she wants to give this a try. Um, so took her hunting, she killed a deer and now she's been with us on the beards for benefits, Turkey trip. Um, she's killed turkeys she took her to Texas. She killed an elk in Texas. Um, she asked for a shotgun. <laughs> she's just, she's all about going hunting and doing now in the outdoors. Um, I had a kid that passed away um, about a year and a half ago. And uh, he was the same way. You know, he'd shot a pellet gun in the backyard. 
but didn't have any exposure or anybody in the family that hunted or you know, would even think about taking him hunting in a wheelchair. And uh, he killed a deer. And then yeah. he would just text me. You know, he was kind of my guinea pig for local stuff. We took him alligator hunting just to work the kinks out of an alligator hunt. And uh, he would text me and say, hey, can we, can we go hunt? You know, I'd like to go shoot a doe. Can we shoot a doe? Um, so he killed five more deer just hunting with me. Um, my son would go with us. Um, towards wow. the end, he was on a ventilator. So I had one of our EMTs that volunteers with us, um, with us in case anything went wrong. He actually got a, a mucus plug and was having a really, really hard time breathing. I had to call an ambulance. Um, and so after, after that, he still wanted to kill a deer with his, with his crossbow. And, uh, so the next weekend, you know, the next two weekends we went again, um, but I had an EMT sitting in the blind with us. So didn't, uh, nobody had to worry about yeah. anything. So, oh, I so there's, there's tons and tons. I mean, this past summer, halibut fishing, you know, I'd never been to Alaska to, to fish for halibut. Um, we took our electric reel cause we've got a, um, die with Tanacom 1000 that die would donated to us. Um, it's an electric reel. So even kids that don't have real good dexterity, if they can flip the lever, that reel is going to reel whatever they've got on the other end up to them. And, um, Nick was left and right hauling halibut up from the bottom. Um, you know, I love Oregon. I love Utah. I love going out there and seeing, you know, different stuff. Um, but every trip, you know, our focus is the kid, um, making them happy, having a, a good time with them and, uh, letting the parents relax and enjoy themselves. A lot of times, you know, parents and other family members, um, other family members, other kids, you know, get the, the short end of the stick because all the attention, all the worry, all the work is done for the kid um, with a disability or, or illness. And so they get left out. You know, I've had moms that were like, wow, I, you know, I got to sit down and relax and not worry about what Paul is doing. Where is he? You know, mm-hmm. is he getting into mm-hmm. something? Um because I've got volunteers there for yeah. the weekend that, you know, are taking care of the food and taking care of the cleaning and, you know, watching the kids if they need to, helping out, just sitting around the fire, visiting, you know, socializing and having a good time. So the the main focus is just the kids and the family yeah. and, and having a memorable experience. It's not about harvesting something. It's not about catching, you know, thousands of fish. Um, it's just having a good time and fellowship. Yeah, this is something that's uh, reoccurring with the not-for-profits that I've been, I've been had the fortunate, uh, fortunateness to do and talk with is, and something you guys all have in common is, you want to take a lot of the load off the parents yep. and let them relax, and it look it, that is all inspiring in itself. I mean, you know that the family has to be feeling right about themselves first it's just and it's one it's great i mean you probably had a lot of the parents that join you on the hunts a lot of times um you a parent's getting to sit there in the blind with their kid 
you know, watching, watching things go down. Um, you know, I've, I've had moms that have never, never hunted or anything, but you know, they, they see how much fun their child is having and the smiles on their face. And they're like, well, can I go with y'all in the morning and sit? And like, absolutely. Come on. You know, um, We've got we've got a lot of specialized mm-hmm. equipment uh, this last year. Um, redneck blinds um, really helped us out, and uh, we were able to get uh, handicap accessible. They build a wheelchair accessible blind once a year. They do an, an entire run, and I don't know how many that is for the the production run, but um, we get a fifty percent discount. So I bought a blind. And then a local boat trailer company in Panama City, High Tech Marine, um, built a custom trailer for the blind to be mounted to. And um, it's got jack stands on the rear so that we can nice. stabilize it in the field. And we just pull the trailer wherever we need to, set it up, brush in the trailer. We've got blind material that we hang on the trailer. And um, you're hunting out of a redneck. Got a little bit of elevation, um, but we're warm and dry and, and cozy. And uh, we call it the high-tech redneck deer stand. I've got one of those at my place, uh, my mom and stepdad's place where I hunt. My stepdad and I built it. It's probably about four yeah. inches off the ground, but it can house two full-size adult males right. standing up and sitting down beside each other with crossbows or rifles, but you're only allowed to hunt bow and that area so the deer have shown up <laughs> Ooh, getting real quiet which one are you um, looking for well there's two yearlings out here right now um i've got four or five bucks on camera mm-hmm. that i would really like to see but i haven't had a buck on camera this week yet here so at least mm-hmm. at least Probably where the cameras are so I, I think they must be locked down with does somewhere else. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get into before you get into the really big business soon, soon to come, hopefully, a successful harvest on this one. Yeah, I, I got I got more days. We'll be here till Saturday. Right. That's good. Well. Uh, did you want to tell the listeners how to reach you and yes, Camo Dreams? So you can go to our website, www.camodreams.org. Um, we've got a phone number there. Email is camodreamsinc at yahoo.com. Um, you can send me an email. We've got a, I think there's a PayPal button on the page there. Um, we take donations via PayPal, Venmo. Um, all donations are tax deductible and, uh, all the donations go to the kids, the trips, the equipment, um, food, lodging, taxidermy, everything is included. Um, so when we take a kid someplace, um, used to, it was dependent on where they lived and proximity to where we were going to hunt. Um, if they could drive to it, you know, we might could do a gas cart or something, but now um, I fly kids from all over the country with their parents to wherever we're going to hunt. So, you know, from Florida to Texas, from Florida to Oregon, from Wisconsin to Alaska, 
um, from Wisconsin to Panama City. We've had kids from Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, Indiana, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. Um, I think uh, this season we will surpass 100 trips that we've done for kids, whether it be hunting or fishing. That's that is great. All with that, I mean that's great to see a great amount of number, and I need to stop using great. <laughs> but uh, what type of other equipment do you guys use? Uh, track we do. Chairs and whatnot? Um, we had a track chair donated a couple of years ago to us, um, so we've got a track chair that's available for use. Um, Be adaptive makes the uh, the air actuated trigger pullers. Um, for shooting guns, um, I've got six of those that we purchased and had customized that we're giving away to kids as we have kids that need them. I think uh, I've given two of those mm-hmm. away. And then I've got two that are in our uh, ditty bag that I can set up. Uh, one set up for ARs and one's set up for regular rifles. So, um We've got iScopes. We've got ATNX sites um, that'll Wi-Fi to my phone or a tablet so we can see, you know, if the kid can manipulate the gun, we can at least see what they're seeing and record video and take pictures and stuff as well. Um, you know, the track chair uh, was donated by a, a man was given, it was given to him and he died. He had diabetes um, and had both legs amputated and, uh, it was Judge Taunton. He had a children's home in a little town close to us. And so his daughter and board of directors contacted us and they wanted to donate the track chair to us after he had passed away. So we put a plaque on it, um, commemorating it for Judge Taunton. And um, I've put it on the trailer. And last year, um, Tucker from South Carolina, we took him down to hunt with deer meat for dinner in South Florida. And I put it on the trailer with the redneck blind and drove it down to South Florida for him to hunt hogs um, with Robert Arrington. Um, This year, when we go in March back out to Texas, we'll take the track chair. Um, Last year, we had too many coolers and spare tires and stuff, and we didn't have room for it. But we'll move things around and and take it to Texas. Um, We've got a little girl that's making a a repeat trip to Texas. So Derek, where do you see camo dreams in five years? So in five years, um, I would like to be retired from the state, um, visiting maybe children's hospitals, um, getting more kids, uh, to go on more trips. I think, uh, Five years from now, we we'd kind of talked about when my son, who's our youngest, got into college, graduated from high school and got into college, that I would look at retiring from the state and doing Camo Dreams full time, um, being able to, to visit, you know, kind of recruit kids uh, for trips and everything and maybe go to, to shows, um, set up booths and stuff. So just to get the word out more and more about chemo dreams. Um, yeah, even, yeah. In, even in my hometown, there's people that, you know, may, they say, Oh yeah, I've heard about that, but don't really know what we do. And, um, so 
2018, you know, we had Hurricane Michael came through, destroyed the city of Panama City. Um, my house was messed up. I took 16 months to rebuild. Um, my parents' house was destroyed. My sister's house was messed up. My grandmother's house was messed up. Um, we had a rental house that was messed up pretty bad. Um, my truck was destroyed. The Chemo Dreams enclosed car hauler was destroyed. Um, I had a guy out in, in Oregon that's become a good friend um, that colluded with my wife, did a little fundraising behind my back, and um, bought me a new truck. So, you know, the truck, my truck's always been my truck. You know, I'd used it for Camo Dream stuff, but um, he he told everybody, this is not a tax write-off. This is to replace Derek's truck that was destroyed in the hurricane. And um, so I've got a 2018 F-350, and it's jacked up. And we, we put the insurance money towards making it what we call the, the Dream Ride 2.0. And, uh, we did a little extra fundraising to wrap it. And so it's completely wrapped with pictures of kids on trips. Some of our sponsors, you know, Realtree Camouflage, uh, actually gave us the encapsulated postscript to print the wrap. Um, so it's printed Realtree Camouflage and, uh, you know, I, I ride around town and people, it, it attracts more attention um, it starts conversations at gas stations. Um, you know, when I'm in my work truck, people always want to ask me what the rules and regulations for hunting and fishing are. But um, when they see this truck, they're like, oh, do you take people hunting? And then I can explain, you know, we take kids with special needs, disabilities, illnesses hunting. And these are some of the kids that have been on some of our trips. And, you know, it's it's a really good conversation starter and I kind of a rolling billboard. Um, All right. So I'd like to spread the word more and more. Um, you know, I had a guy at one time looked at our Facebook page and everything. And, you know, we've got just over 8,000 followers. And I said, you know, these people that got a million followers or 2 million followers and they, you know, blow up trucks and do stupid things. I'm like, I do something that, you know, makes a difference in the world and put smiles on kids' faces. You know, look. How do I get more followers? And he said, you know, yours are all organic. You haven't paid for ads. Mm -hmm. You haven't done anything. It's all, you know, word of mouth and sharing. He said, just keep growing. It's, it's slowly going up and up and up. Um, but I just want more people to know about it. You know, I'd like to be able to do more trips and impact the lives of more kids. Yeah. That, is, that sounds like a fun time. And I hope it grows for you guys and everything. So, Derek, do you want to plug any social media? Yeah, so uh, they can people can find us on Facebook. Uh, we've got a Facebook page that try to keep it up regularly <clears throat> as we're uh, even on trips and stuff. Um, Instagram, same thing. It, they're tied together, so the posts get shared back and forth. So Facebook, Instagram, and uh, they can go to our website, camodreams.org get any contact information um how to get in touch with us to make donations or whatever but yeah just follow us and uh see things happening as they're happening with kids having dreams come true all right well thank you for coming on agreeing to be my guest and remember everyone stay adaptive